Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Doug, I have an important parenting first that I'm doing today. Ooh, a parenting first. This is good. Yeah. I want to hear it. <laughs> not going to be that exciting. Uh, I am taking my kid out to play golf later this afternoon. Oh, Twilight golf, golf. Trip. Yeah, Twilight golf. Well, Twilight because that's when hopefully there will be no one on the course and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we won't hold them up. Because I mean, I don't know. I remember my first time I played and it and it was a you know just a disaster the first time. You're taking 50 shots a hole. Yeah. So, um, but no, I'm really looking forward to it. Golf was uh, it used to be my sport in high school. It's what I what I did. And I, don't think uh, I ever knew that. Oh, really? In all of our frisbee golf conversations, or no, you, you don't call it frisbee golf, so you call it disc it's golf, right? Disc golf. It's not frisbee I, golf. Man. I know that now because I have a, uh, I got a video game for the Nintendo Switch. This is what inspired my son to hold him to want to play golf. Was a we got this little golf adventure game. It's like fifteen bucks, little independent game developer for the Nintendo. It's called okay. Golf Story, and it's like kind of like a Legend of Zelda, almost like a little role playing game where you're going around <laughs> doing different tasks. But every now and then he plays golf. Um, <laughs> so anyway we but there's some some disc golf uh components in the game when there's like these little rough bully guys who, who only play disc golf and you have to beat them but they make a big deal you can't call it a frisbee it's got to be disc golf <laughs> that's which right is, which is kind of funny yeah. so anyway um yeah so golf was golf was my sport and i used to be pretty good at it and then i just completely stopped for about 12 years <laughs> so um now i'm kind of back into it just once a year for a little trip, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. Is that coming up? Is that why you are breaking up the clubs? Well, it's it's a nice, uh, yes, coincidence of lots of timing that, that we got this little video game. He's suddenly interested in it. Mm-hmm. I've got the trip coming up in a month, so reason to start playing. So anyway, it'll be fun. Um, but I don't know. Just It's one of those... It's one of those little parenting milestones. I don't know why, because I remember the first time my dad took me out, and... Uh, it's just funny to be to be on the other side of that now. <laughs> are you are you uh, walking or riding? I was sort of disappointed to find out that the twilight rate includes a cart because when I was a kid, like walking is what we did, and and sure. it was like a luxury to have a cart, and it was kind of weird, kind of nice, but like that'd be like reserved for Saturday mornings if I happened to get a chance to play with my dad and his friends. Um, otherwise, it was walking all the time. So I'm I think we'll probably do the cart. I think it might help us with the speed of play. Um, it might actually not, I don't know, because <laughs> yeah. with the number of strokes he'll be taking. Um, uh-huh. but anyway, I just don't want that to be his like default setting is like golf is supposed to be with a cart. Right. You know, so I don't know. Well, I will, uh, I'll give him some reminders. About does he that. have a set of kids clubs? He does. Yep. He has cool. a little set. And, so you've uh, taken him to the, to the, to the driving range? Yeah, we went to the range. We've been several times. He's probably been there six or seven times to the point. Okay. So finally I said, okay, you're ready enough to go on the course and. See how it goes. Well, that'll be fun. It will be fun. I'm excited to hear how this goes. You'll have to report back next week. <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> yes. You know, so... Disc golf had a had its hate or not its hate, had a had a big moment last week. Let me guess. It was on ESPN, like cornhole and every other game now. <laughs> <laughs> it had a good segment on ESPN. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because of um, somebody, Paul McBeth, who's one of the pro guys, shot a near perfect round. 18 under uh, in a big tournament so they did a big feature on it so what's the perfect round every disc goes right in the basket no it was uh, you threw uh birdies on every hole oh okay wow and that's never been done before uh they're calling it the greatest round ever so (laughs) (laughs) so i don't i don't know there's like different ratings for i don't know if real golf works this way too but every round has like a different rating um based on how other people played that day um you know, and, I don't know about that. I know every course has its own rating and slope, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so this was like compared to the rest of the field and the conditions and all that stuff. Like they mm-hmm. probably missed the, the greatest, greatest round, round ever. Except mm-hmm. that it was with a disc instead of golf clubs. Except it was a different sport, <laughs> Matt. Except it was a different sport. <laughs> you know, I, I used to, I mean, I still poke fun, but uh, <laughs> I don't think that's as ridiculous as, as cornhole and can jam. No, it's a real, it's a real game. I right. mean, those are games. This is, I would call disc golf a, <laughs> okay. a real sport. <laughs> okay. Well, I think a cornhole player 
would say that uh, disc golf is a game, and that's a sport. No way. There's no way that cornhole is a sport. And esports players would say that that's a game, or that's a sport. And what... Uh, You're right. We had that discussion a few weeks. Yeah. There, a few I know. I mean, ago. sports is, is in a weird place right now. It's cool, I guess, right? It's something for everybody. I mean, that is that is the nature of uh, entertainment in general these days, is that you whatever you want, you can find somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the, the big mass market isn't as big anymore, because it's all spread out across all these different perverted interests like disc golf yeah i was listening to this podcast recently about um somebody who tried to invent uh, like a new version of basketball where they had like trampolines around the the baskets yeah. have you heard of this it, uh, may, it had like a movie called basketball ones it's not not that right <laughs> no it had like two seasons i guess where it was aired on tbs back in the like 90s or something they're they mm-hmm. really trying to make it a big thing Right. It was basically like, uh, you know, like the video game jam. Uh, what's it called? Uh, NBA Jam. NBA Jam, where mm-hmm. you know, like you just jump way up and you can right. slam, right. you know, on everybody. I vaguely um, remember that for some reason. Unless that was some Nickelodeon thing I'm remembering. No, I mean this was like, I mean, I guess like they had, you know, they had real leagues and they had invested a ton of money. They had a bunch of investors who thought it could be big and it never did get big. But um, uh, anyway, it made me start thinking about like how infrequently a new sport like a new real professional sport comes along it seems to me that the sports that actually make it new sports are the ones you can do while holding a beer in your other hand (laughs) (laughs) those get on tv for some reason i think because no one actually takes it seriously enough and then it's kind of funny that it's on tv (laughs) but like yeah i mean xfl and even a new league is hard to hard to do yeah women's leagues in, in different sports are are kind of gaining a lot of popularity. At least it appears that way to me. That's true. That's, so that's very true. Thing. But in, in common sports, that males leagues have been popular in for a while, right? Yes, that's true. They're yeah. not they're not pioneering new sports, but but still, it's cool to see like women's soccer be a be a sure. big yeah. thing. Yeah. Before anyway. we, before we move on, I, I got to say, I, you know, we've talked a lot about the World Cup. So, uh, you know, how were you were you happy with the results there? Uh, it was okay. I was kind of indifferent to who won the final. I like I like a couple of players on France. I like the guys. I like everyone who plays in the Spanish league, La Liga. So okay. so each each team had a few of those. Uh, so I didn't care that much who won. But I guess I was sort of rooting for Croatia just because an underdog is more interesting mm-hmm. to root for than than a favorite. But uh, it was cool. I loved. It was a fun fun tournament. Did you know, Doug, that the next one is going to be in wintertime? I did not know that. I just heard this. I haven't confirmed it, but I heard that it's in Qatar, Q A T A R, that country. Yep. Which is not. I think I've heard people pronounce that pronounce that Qatar before. Have you heard that? I have heard that, but that is wrong. It's I feel Qatar. like a few Olympics ago they were calling that Qatar. But anyway, um, yeah, and I heard it was going to be a Winter World Cup, which is interesting. I don't know if it's ever been done before. Just because of the heat index in the summer. I don't really know. I, I figured it had something to do with the location because it's in the southern hemisphere. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all I know. That's cool. It is cool. Yeah, but like Brazil is in the southern hemisphere and then South Africa. Those are both summer. Yeah, that's true. So the reasoning I heard was not good. <laughs> um, well, that's that's exciting. And then uh, and then they're coming to the U.S. of A. Right. That's right. right. And our neighbor slash North America. We can't forget Mexico and Canada. Yeah, that's right. So that would be good. In eight years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So enough of this uh, jibber-jabber. Let's get to the real the real uh, impactful episode that we usually do. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Like... So today we are, we're talking about um, – this is actually a good topic. I like this topic, and this is uh, going along our theme of Season 3 of No Meat Athlete Radio, which is that we don't care if we've already covered a topic. We're going to do it again. And I actually don't think we have had, well, I don't, doesn't jump to mind a specific how to have more time episode. Uh, though now that I say that, it, we must have done one. Just, I can't, that, we would have thought of that a long time ago. You know, I did research. I went back and looked and there's no like time saving or. Really? No, I mean, you know, we talked a lot about tips, of course, in different episodes. Yeah. Um, like sections of different episodes. And we talked about, you know, morning routines and that kind of thing, kind of adding time that way, but. No, I don't think we've ever had a dedicated time-saving episode. 
Good. Well, then that then this is something new. But even if we did have one, we wouldn't care because we're we're <laughs> doing all of those again. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with that. Like our our perspectives have changed a lot, and honestly, very few people have gone back and heard all of our episodes. So this one is a good example. I I feel like the tips that I have compiled as far as time management, and I've jotted down some notes for myself, um, are all things that I've said in blog posts and and on the podcast. Maybe a few little new ones, but. Um, they haven't been said in one place, and very few people will have listened to, to that many things that they will have heard them all. So um, I think this is going to be a good one. I, this question comes up quite often for me in any sort of interviews. People, uh, they have the mistaken sense that I am extremely busy. And I don't know, maybe it's because I take weeks to respond to emails, and they just think that I must just be slammed. Um, <laughs> but oh, I'm, not, I'm not that busy. You do. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not very busy at all. I mean, I, I have been during the past eight years. There's been there's been phases where I was extremely busy, but um, I don't know. Like the the time thing has always been a priority. I think for me, I've just sort of tried to be careful to protect it so that I didn't end up hating work and everything else. Um, so I think that means that I have good strategies. But I don't know. What do you think about what's your what's your view on time, Doug? You don't seem like a busy guy to me either. Maybe because you're so effective at time management. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I I think uh, I try to compartmentalize my time quite a bit, mm-hmm. and I think that helps. You know, you have play time, you have family time, exercise time, work time. Totally. Uh, I you know I try to I try to kind of prioritize different things. You know, I, honestly, I think, and this is the problem with us talking about time management. Uh, that is, and and some people listening to this are gonna immediately go here. I think is it's it's. Um, it's easy for me to talk about, you know, compartmentalizing when I don't have to commute mm-hmm. and when, uh, you know, I have a pretty flexible schedule as far as work goes. Yeah. A lot of people can't connect to that. But I've been there. You've kind of been there. So I can relate to you even if you can't relate to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's true. Um, yeah, I think that is that's a big one. But... That that speaks to something bigger than well. Okay, let me one quick interjection here is I think what you said about compartmentalizing time is very important. That uh, I didn't learn that until I had a child, and what happened was that I I tried to I thought I could just do my work as I was trying to build this business at home and also in grad school. Um, I would I would do the work while I was hanging out with family and sort of supposed to be just present, but I'd be like, okay, well, evening's a great time to work on this blog or this homework or whatever I had to do while I'm also supposedly in there like watching Holden crawl around on the rug. And I realized that I was terrible at both of those things, at being a parent and being a good worker if I tried to do them at the same time. So that that speaks uh, to the more general tip of like that multitasking may have its uses and there are times when it's appropriate, but it's not it's not the, uh, the thing that we should be striving for for the most part. Usually I think it's yeah. better to get away from it. Right. So anyway, there's that. Um, the other thing is, yeah, so I, as you were talking about that and thinking that people are going to immediately go to this, I was thinking what you were going to say was that they're going to go to looking for some sort of time hacks and think that mm. by listening to a podcast, they're going to learn the trick that allows them to have more time. I don't, I think our audience who listens to these is pretty smart. Um, <laughs> so I don't think they, they really would think that. And we've talked enough about, about, you know, hacks not being, uh, you do a good a good way of life anyway you just buy a 25 hour watch <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> that's oh, a big I, got, one, I got good jokes yeah. where did you get that one <laughs> i just made it up <laughs> um okay so anyway <laughs> anyway um yes so so anyway um what i was going to say is it's really not about hacks i think it's so much more about a mindset towards time and just the general way of, of conducting yourself and making choices that prioritize your time over other things. And I think that's way, way more than hacks. And the perhaps one of the, um, what's the word, most profound of those choices would be in what you're going to do for your living. And I'm by no means suggesting that just because you may want to do a job that gives you more freedom and flexibility then you should just do it or you should, you know, you have the ability to quit right now and go do your own thing. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying part of the reason 
we put ourselves in that situation is because, at least for me, it was so important to me, and I was totally miserable doing anything else. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just couldn't function as a normal worker. I, I'm not good that way. So it had to happen that way. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so you, you can make that objection that we have this work situation that's much more flexible, but I would argue that uh, if it's important enough to you, you can, you can you know, just keep trying and not be satisfied until you find that situation. Yeah. And to uh, not, uh, well, to add on to that, I guess, uh, and I don't know how popular this is going to be, which might, uh, some people might immediately roll their eyes at me for saying this, but. Well, they already did that when you made that 25 hour watch. <laughs> no way, man. They were, they were hysterically laughing. <laughs> they had to pause it so they could get their, their giggles out. That's right. That's right. Okay. <laughs> All right. And here I am going to crush their hearts. By, you know, <laughs> no. Um, no, but, but I think that, I think that a lot of, and I felt guilty the, to this for a while too. Um, I, you know, I think what happens when you have a schedule that you're, you know, where you're having to commute for a while or you have a very strict work schedule is that um, you get kind of so hyper-focused on the fact that, uh, you know, I have to commute for this amount of time and I have to be in the office for this amount of time and that there's no way to kind of double up on those tasks like you can use um and this you know multitasking kind of but when you're, when you're just driving and sitting in traffic or you're on the bus or you're on the metro or whatever and you're just kind of otherwise wasting time other than transportation you know you can use that time to to journal uh if you're not driving you can use that time to listen to podcasts you can use that time to catch up with friends or family members or, or whatever um and if you can i mean if you're able to you could run to work you could uh, cycle to work, you, you know, to get in some sort of uh, workout or exercise or something like that. You know, I think that if you think outside the box and you think outside of the, um, you know, this is the commute time or this is my work time and think of ways that you can use that time to, to do something that serves you a little bit better, um, then you're able to find more time that way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's really important. And that, uh, that's, that's a great example of like intelligent multitasking, where if you have this downtime that where it just requires you to be there not doing anything else and you have you know this capacity that is unused like mm-hmm. like your brain while you're sitting in a, on a bus uh, or even running um then 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 you know that's an option i'm not saying that's the only thing you should do because there are a lot of people who, who would argue that you know part of the great thing about running or even their commute maybe is that it's a time to just think and reflect and do whatever else you might want to do um yeah but I think it's good to even notice that you're doing that, and and then you stop dreading your commute as this terrible thing that you have to do for 40 minutes a day. And maybe even if you're not going to listen to something, you can at least appreciate that you have this chance to think about things, and you can try to be deliberate about how you're using it. So um, I think that's important. Um, so I've got some specific things. I also have some of the the deeper, more just mindset type of things. Um, I'm going to start with the mindset things and move into the the hackier things later. They're really not hacks, but let's hear what's uh, what's a mindset thing you have here. So I could think of three different things that have helped me with time management, and you know, so some of them are tactics, like like the book "Getting Things Done." Do you know that one, Doug David Allen? I don't think I do. It's kind of a productivity classic. I feel like it was written in the mid 90s maybe maybe earlier 90s um it just it's just his system and it's a intense system of like having files and to-do lists and a list of projects and each project must have a next action that you've determined and then you know you've got your project list somewhere but you don't worry about that all you're worried about is your next actions list which you do these periodic reviews and make sure that every one of those projects that's important to you has its next action on your little to-do list so there's that you know there's a bunch a whole system of like how you manage an inbox and getting things out of your in inbox when you know process them and they all go into one of like five places either delegate or a next action you know like it's this huge system uh and i applied probably about five percent of it or kept i I tried to apply it all kept maybe five percent of it um but i really think you know that worked for me the five percent that i kept out of there the idea that that when something comes in, whether email or across your desk or whatever, y- you process it and decide where it goes, and then it then it's at least out of your immediate um, vicinity, and you know it's in the right place. Uh, similarly, when you've like having a bunch of stuff in your head 
for most people is not good. So the strategy of have a little place where you capture any idea or thing you've got to do, like just have a dumping ground for what goes through your head as a, oh yeah, I need to do that or I need to remember that. And then sort through that little dumping ground every day or a few days so that you can get it into the right places. Like having just a, a, some sort of system like that has helped me a lot the, as far as just not feeling like I have a thousand things to do and I can never remember all of them. Mm-hmm. So getting things done, um, that's probably the most tactical of them. Uh, the next most tactical, I know people don't always like four-hour work week and Tim Ferriss. It comes with a lot of uh, baggage, that recommendation. But I think the the philosophy in there of, you know, just streamlining, cutting through garbage, and keeping the stuff that really matters, not tr- not being productive for productivity's sake, um, not trying to be efficient, but being effective, right? So, like, don't set up a big, giant, elaborate email filtering, you know, route that all your emails get put in the right places through this thing you set up. Instead, just cut them off at the source and find a way that, to stop getting those emails, right? Like, give that job to someone else or don't choose to do that task. Um, that that has helped me a whole lot. And then the most philosophical of them all is just the general approach of minimalism um, as far as physical clutter goes, but just as importantly, the mental clutter. And for me, it kind of took the form of just like when, like, I don't know, before I knew anything about minimalism or did the decluttering thing, like if you got a new T-shirt, you just threw it into your drawer and it seemed like great free t-shirt and and you would seek out free t-shirts right like if you get a chance to get one you go get it because it's free and it didn't cause anything why not have that um so it took getting into the minimalist stuff to sort of realize that that clutter wasn't good and if i was bringing something in i should get something out and hopefully get out two things because i'm always trying to reduce that stuff and i'm not great at it with with the kids you know like we are definitely not a minimalist family but on a personal level i feel like i've managed to keep most things out, or at least I'm aware of where clutter is. So that's on the physical level. Um, but on the mental level, as far as time management goes, I think that's super important. And a great example is with TV shows all the time, people are saying, you got to get into this series, right? This is so good. Just binge watch it on the weekend. And I just like, I don't know why anyone would seek out TV series or, or, you know, not view those with a huge amount of skepticism when someone says, hey, just watch this show, watch one and you'll be addicted. I'm like, well, I'm not going to watch one and be addicted because I don't, I don't want that in my life. <laughs> so I, I think just sort of being on the lookout for things that can potentially become big time sucks. And I'm not saying don't watch TV. That's not the point at all. I'm just saying like, if you know that you watching two episodes is potentially going to leave you watching 20 episodes over the next two weeks, then... I don't know. I, I just would choose not to do that for the most part, unless it was something that I thought was going to be totally worth that time. So that's only an example, but in general, kind of standing guard at uh, at your schedule and, and not doing things that are going to suddenly commit you to a lot of time. A, a, an example of something I've done wrong is with giving talks. Uh, talks to me, they've always been like the default. Like if someone asks you to speak, then of course you do it because it's a chance to go speak in public and be heard and seem important. And I've realized that like to agree to give a, especially a new talk, it's just hours and hours of work and preparation and kind of stress about, you know, making sure you're adequately prepared. Even if there's not a whole lot of fear of going up on stage um, for me, because there's not that, but there, there is a ton of just like stress around. I need to make sure I do a good job. So I'm, I'm just kind of really choosy about those things. And I don't like, committing you know 30 hours of my time um on a whim just because it's like this this seems like a fun idea or something that i should do this is coming off of you giving a talk yesterday right came up yep and that and it was like i'm glad i did it it was some it was on a about sort of brand building and something that i don't ever talk about uh so i was happy to do it it was fun it was nice to have a little bit of a you know a different topic to talk about and i like that and i like the guy who uh asked me to do it and I, i just wanted to just you know be, be doing stuff with him but uh it as i was doing it i was like i am putting a ton of time into this thing which is going to come and go and there's going to be 15 people there and it's like i don't know <laughs> like that, that was a big thing i signed up for just by saying yeah i'll do a little lunch talk for you mm-hmm. so you know definitely fresh in my mind as something to not that i regret doing that one but like 
just just to really think carefully before you say yes to things. And then that goes back to the whole say no to everything. By default, say no to everything if it's not a hell yes, right? The Derek Sivers idea, which I believe, Doug, you uh, you stand on the other side of that view, right? You like the you like the say yes to everything. Say yes. Never to turn down a chance to have a beer with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool. It's good to have different perspectives. So we're not just well. Yeah. So at my my thinking has speaking of adjusting of of our the way we think of things uh, that has changed since we talked about that. That was my New Year's resolution. Oh yeah. I don't know. A couple years ago, three years ago maybe when we first moved here, and I was like. It stuck in a rut of kind of who we were hanging out with and having trouble meeting people. It was basically we were counting your kids as our three of our five friends, <laughs> um, and uh, and you know, and I, I wanted to kind of change that uh, that mindset of you know being timid to reach out to new people or or kind of meet up with people at, or get involved in some sort of group or anything like that. And and so I was saying saying yes to everything that. Um, that sounded kind of interesting or sounded kind of fun or to grab a beer with somebody. Um, and you know, I, you know, I think that I needed that at the time and I that, did that for a couple of years, but now, you know, now I think that, uh, with a kid now and, um, less, less kind of free time, less, uh, ability to say yes on a whim. Um, I have shifted in that a little bit, but I, you know, I still think that, um, you know, one priority that I have right now is to get more involved in different, um, like local organizations. Uh, and you know, like whether that's, whether they're political or, uh, just kind of some sort of community organization here in town. Um, and, uh, and I'm been trying to say yes to those type of events to kind Mm -hmm. of, uh, engage myself and get more involved that way, because it's so with those types of things, it's so easy to guard your time. You know, it's, uh, it may or may not be that efficient or productive of an hour of your time to go sit in in one of these meetings or or to kind of do a meet and greet. But that's how you that's how you make the changes that you want to make, and that's how you kind of get involved in the communities that you want to get involved in. Is you have to kind of do the legwork and, and meet the people and and kind of get started, and then they become more productive and they become a better use of your time. Yeah. Agree. I mean, I think I think that is that's you choosing. I mean, I mean, being being uh, intentional about like what is important to you, what is important enough for your time, and what in what area like should your default setting be yes, and mm-hmm. in everything else it should be no, or well, what right. few areas should it be yes, and and like that's not for everyone. Like, an easy criticism would be, well, if you say no to everything by default, then you're not going to create any richness in your life. You're just going to be this boring person who has plenty of time but doesn't have any friends and doesn't you know, do anything interesting because you just say no to everything. Um, that's totally true. This, this is about time management and how do you, how do you create more Mm -hmm. time? The way you do is by saying no to things and you know, but that means that will free you up so that you do have time to say yes to a few important things. And I think it's really important to, um, just, just to be mindful of which things, which type of things are important to you and should your default be yes on, uh, as compared to everything else. Mm -hmm. So my big philosophical tip Mm-hmm. Uh, that has that has completely changed uh, the way I manage time post child. Okay, uh, is really dedicating post having a child. You mean right? Post yeah, post yeah, having a child, not being a child. Right. Um, is is what we were talking about earlier about compartmentalizing, but having dedicated dedicated times for different things uh, that I have discussed with my wife that. Um, you know, that you, that there's always going to be some flexibility on because things come up and things change and priorities change. But, um, having dedicated time for exercise, having dedicated time for work, having dedicated family time, having dedicated band practice time, you know, times where the, uh, you know, this time of the day on this day of the week, the default is that I'm going to be doing this, that Katie's going to be doing this and that Eliza's going to be doing this. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes they're all together, sometimes they're separate, whatever. Um, but, where that's the default, that's the expected thing. And for in a lot of ways, that holds me accountable for work and for uh, exercise and um, and family time, you know, because then I'm not like, well, you know, maybe I could extend my run for a couple hours and then I end up missing out on all this family time, you know. But, mm-hmm. like, but since I have these two hours marked out, 
as this is when I'm going to go run, then that means that I'm going to get up and I'm going to run during that time. And, uh, and then I'll be home in time for, for something else. So mm-hmm. it, in some ways it holds me accountable In other ways it frees me up because, um, it means that, you know, that the expectation is that I'll be doing this, um, and that, you know, and that that's okay. Yeah. I think that, I think that it, I like how that frees you up. I think that's interesting. Whenever like applying constraints creates freedom, I think that's kind of an interesting thing. And, uh, it does here because like, I know if I know I've, I have not personally had success with this or really any sort of like structure on my personal schedule. Uh, I'm just for some reason really bad at hand. I just want to rebel against as soon as I have a schedule that I've, even one that I set for myself, I just, I just don't follow it. Um, but I've heard of people who are like, I don't know, CEOs or people who are really into productivity just because they're a busy person. And they, they have things like they know that if they have three kids, every one of those kids, they will have a, I don't know what the, what kind of time frame they're looking at, but like they will do an activity with each of those kids once a week. And that's just part of their schedule is that, that, that and it's on there and it's an appointment that they do. And I think because that, then they can, now who, who's to say whether or not once a week, one activity with a kid is enough. But it's a whole lot better than a lot of people probably do if you have three kids and you're really busy. Um, and so what I think it allows them to do is then then in the rest of your time, you don't have to be having this fight with yourself saying, oh my gosh, I should, I should be with kids right now uh, instead of doing this other thing and feeling guilty about spending time on work or for yourself or whatever uh, instead of being with your family because you know you've deliberately decided here's how much time I want to spend with them on a given week and I, I have appointments that I keep that I do that for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I and- think it's good. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, I should note that, like, Katie, my wife, has the exact same thing, mm-hmm. you know, right? Like, she has her dedicated time as well. So it's not like I'm just like, this is my running time. You know? <laughs> but you're the man of the house. You have every right to do that, don't you? Uh, yeah, I get to talk like this <laughs> and pound my fist. And I want to run right now. <laughs> no, that's not that's not the way it works in my house, man. No, you're know, the, you're the opposite, aren't you? You are quite the opposite. <laughs> No, I am. I'm, I mean, we're not like that either. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. that's caveman stuff, Doug. Caveman, that's no longer, no longer appropriate. No, <laughs> not that it was ever appropriate. <laughs> Never mind. I, I'm just. Listen, I'm not. You're you're the extreme liberal, and I must point out that there are people who there's a whole uh, what's it called the banosphere of blogging or uh, red pill. Have you heard of all this? You must have heard of this, right? Because you're staunchly opposed to it. <laughs> yeah right i have heard of it yeah yeah i don't like it either i'm not i'm not but i don't like anything extreme i like things that are in the middle when it comes to that stuff i'm very boring and i don't commit to viewpoints <laughs> i really don't i don't know why i just i just like to be in the middle and point out when someone argues with me one side i point out that there's another side says the man who's trying who's dedicated his life to making veganism easier i i but that's why that's why our approach to it is so non-preachy i hope uh, it's, it's why I always I don't like I don't like pure preaching and saying this is this is the right thing without need for justification and without listening to other views. I don't know. I I just am trying to be open minded. No, I think that's great. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I agree with you. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what, I mean for real. Except no, when it like, comes to certain liberal values, that <laughs> yeah, I hold well, very dear to that. my heart. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> but just just to be clear, for people who don't know this about Nomad Athlete, like I'm 100 percent vegan. What Nomad Athlete was in the early days was not a, and in fact, then I was vegetarian. And in the beginning, I wasn't even that. I was on my way to being vegetarian. But Nomad Athlete was always, here's what I'm doing. If you think this is interesting, then maybe I can have some tools that will help you as well. But it has never, ever been like, this is the way to do things and you should do it too. And I'm here to convince you why you should. And I hope I hope we haven't become that over the years. But um, I don't know. That's just, that's just been really important to me. Mm-hmm. So oh, I good. think that's the vibe we give off. Good. I hope so. All right. Good. Um, so, is that are we done with the philosophy, Doug? I think so. Can we yeah, more practical things? Let's do it. Okay. Philosophy is super important. Like I said, that's more important than any of these tips. Um, Definitely. By the way, we should. This I just glanced over to my bookshelf and saw the free time formula by our friend Jeff Sanders, and he was yes. on this podcast to promote that book a few months ago. So, if this episode is any good to you, then uh, go back and listen to that one as well. And consider getting Jeff's book because uh, it is really a good book. I guess we kind of talked about this topic then. <laughs> yeah, we, we must have. <laughs> I guess I guess my research didn't. <laughs> good, good research. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Ah, oh, well. Man. Okay. Yeah. Here's a way to save time. Don't do the work you're supposed to do and just do, uh, don't actually research things when you're <laughs> You weren't even supposed to research. No one gave you that task. You took it upon yourself to do that. So no yeah. expectation was there. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I saw Jeff Sanders and I started thinking of something else. And, yeah, uh, getting up at 5 a.m. Yeah. Which has nothing to do with saving time. No. I mean, like, it has to do with creating more time. That's what I'm saying. I was just kidding. No, okay. No. Oh, yeah. All right. Anyway. So, anyway, that's actually a, a nice little segue into the uh, habits, the choosing your habits thing. Um, I think there, this, I don't know if we've talked about this. This is probably a new thing that I've only kind of recently noticed. Um, you cannot possibly do what everyone is recommending. And for a long time, I was all into the self-help, personal development, whatever you want to call that. Uh, and I would read tons of books and then I would feel guilty if I was not doing what all those authors said I should be doing. And then one day I realized that if I actually totaled up the amount of time they wanted me to spend because it's various authors and I'm just adding it up and not making choices, meditating, exercising, journaling, doing incantations, being grateful, uh, who knows what. You can fill your entire day and not even have time to sleep, and you never did one bit of actual productive work. All you did was get yourself in the mindset to be productive. <laughs> reading, reading for an hour a day. I mean, all these things. It's so easy to fill up. And, and I mean, most people don't have all that free time. Neither do I. So if you're... If, your possible window of doing productive habits that will get you into the right mindset or state for the day or whatever is two hours, which is a ton of time. I don't have two hours in the morning to spend on that stuff. Um, you can't, you can't do almost anything of what people are recommending. So you have to choose a few that you really think are good and you do them for a while. And if they work, and this is if you even want to have a morning routine, and if they don't work, you got to be able to just cast them off and pick something else that is right for you. But I, I just don't think you should try to get a ton of stuff in. Having said that, the ones that I think are kind of freebies, and this doesn't mean that I'm great at doing them, um, are exercise and meditation. To me, though, and meditation could be you know the morning pages thing we've talked about, or even even maybe a journaling, some sort of reflective or not thinking about anything. Um, and, and, you know, the, I, I'm probably just very arbitrarily dividing those things or, or putting those things together when someone could, could call those totally separate activities. But the point is, I think exercise is one of those things where it's easy to say, I don't have enough time to exercise. But I do think that as soon as you start doing it, um, whether you notice it or not, I think that time comes back to you in the form of you sleep a little bit better or you want to make a little bit better food choices or you just feel like you have more energy later in the day, which is a very odd thing. But when you use some energy for exercise, um, it, it sure feels like it gives you more energy later. Uh, not to mention the fact that over the long term, it's strengthening you and making you more able to physically, you know, produce things. So that those are freebies to me. Like exercise, yes, it takes time, but that time almost immediately comes back to you in some form or another. Um, and I think meditation is the same way. If you take 20 minutes to do a meditation thing, um, I just think those 20 minutes are going to come back throughout the day in the terms of, in terms of making decisions better because you have more clarity or being a little bit more mindful when you're starting to sink into wasting time in front of whatever TV or social media or some other activity. Um, I don't know. So I, when you can find activities like that, and maybe that, maybe that is only for me that I've noticed those two things are particularly free in terms of their, their you know, zero loss or positive gain, I guess, in terms of the results on your time. Um, but when you can find activities like that, then you should make every effort to do them. Like I said, not that great at doing them. Um, uh, but I, I am kind of always striving to make myself do those. And then on the flip side of that, I'm also not good at not doing this one, but I've noticed that when I could do like a month or something without any alcohol, it feels like I have a whole extra hour and a half in the evening. Not because I drink for an hour and a half, um, but because if you... That's a lot of lifting your arm up. <laughs> uh, but even if I just have like one drink or two glasses of wine or something in the evening, it I realize how that just expands into like, that's what I did that evening, right? Even if that, that actual nursing your beer takes only 20 minutes or 25 minutes, the next like hour and a half after that, I'm kind of just, I don't know, I just don't really do much and then I eventually get in bed. Yeah. Uh, 
or I try to read and I just sort of my mind wanders a little bit and I'm and, and like you could say well you're relaxing yourself and it's good to be relaxed and and that is a pop perhaps a valid argument but it sure feels like I have a whole lot more time when I don't drink at night but like that I said I do almost every night true. <laughs> yeah uh, I'm yeah, that, that's it's very just... true it, uh, recently this summer j- uh, jazz hour has turned into uh, pushing the stroller around the like Lake Tomahawk mm-hmm. or the lake in good. town yeah um, and you know, sometimes not definitely not every time, but it's maybe once a week or something. We'll we'll make a cocktail and mm-hmm. carry that with us, um, and uh, always on those evenings, you know, if I had plans to do something else, you know, to get some things done outside or to I don't know do some work or whatever, you know, it never happens. We end up just you know hanging out or watching a movie or yeah, and that might be good, especially if it's once a week or whatever the amount is that you deem appropriate, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it's really good to not. I mean, I think to, to have some amount of like not being productive because you're truly just enjoying the company of right. someone else or right. relaxing. And so I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. It's I just think it's valuable to know that. And then, I don't know, realize that it comes at a cost and might might give you some benefit, but probably the answer is somewhere in the middle. Um, not necessarily for drinks, but, you know, in, in terms of things that help you relax versus things that uh, mm-hmm. keep you in your most productive state. And in addition to that, uh, the morning, I've also find that, you know, if I don't drink the night before, uh, even if I'm not, you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not definitely not going to be hungover for like two glasses of wine or whatever from the night before, but, uh, I'm much less likely to wake up on time to go for my early right. morning run right. or to wake up and, you know, do some writing first thing in the morning or be productive in some way. Yep. Um, that's, I didn't even think of that, but just about any amount of alcohol, I feel like affects my sleep in some way or another. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily attribute it when you wake up the next morning but i i do think that you know there's a little there's a few minutes of lost productivity for sure yeah definitely what but about you know harder like, drugs, like you said I, I love uh i love me a glass of wine or mm-hmm. a beer so do I. and the harder stuff as well the the serious drugs uh they can somehow you know speed and uh whatever else you can actually be more productive with that stuff yeah i actually tend to do my best work when i'm so that's one of our hacks is uh <laughs> find find the drug that really speeds you up, and then no, that's this isn't even funny. <laughs> this isn't even funny. We we do not endorse. Of course uh, we don't. I mean, really we don't. Yeah, I think obviously. I think anything that speeds you up in any uh, messes with your body, I think it, it almost certainly comes at at a cost, and it will result in a crash at some point. There's no there's very little free lunches when it comes to energy. What about matcha? That's the new free thing, right? No crash. Is that right, matcha? Matcha green tea. Yeah, I've, I've been seeing uh, some stuff about that recently. Mm, I don't believe it. That energy came, came from somewhere. I, I agree. <laughs> Maybe it was unlocked in your cells, and you, it was locked up, and you unlocked it. <laughs> um, Explosion of energy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, because matcha, I don't think, has much in the terms of caloric value. So it's not giving you energy in that sense. It's, it's beating your body up in some way. And even if you don't experience a crash later, there is... Uh, adrenal fatigue and all that stuff that happens and i just i don't know i like, also love coffee but uh i don't pretend that that energy doesn't get paid back later in the day by being slightly more tired or something mm. do you do any of the mushroom stuff <laughs> are we talking about the hard drugs is that what you mean? <laughs> no not mushrooms <laughs> uh, um, like the mushroom coffee or tea or no whatever. i don't i think it might be a good idea for different reasons i think i think mushrooms are a really good food but i just would rather eat them i just don't want them in my coffee Mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. i don't know we cook with mushrooms a few times a week probably and i think that's all right but i think people do sid does that right isn't he into mushroom something uh yeah i think so maybe i don't know yeah i see i see people the uh thought for food guys do it oh yeah that's right maybe that's what i'm thinking of do you have mm-hmm. you have you done it no i haven't hmm. Hmm. there you I go i don't even know where to get it i guess you can get a whole foods <laughs> it sounds a lot like we're talking about drugs <laughs> You, you got to talk to the guy at the end of the corner. <laughs> Your mushroom guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, anyway, we kind of derailed there. We did. We made we made light of uh, drugs, which could be a real problem for some people. So we shouldn't That's have done true. that. But we shouldn't. What are you gonna do? Apologize. Okay. Um, well, Doug. Let's see. I've got some more things. All right. Here's where I here's where I will make value judgments. I think TV and social media, um, you should look at those with um, a, what's the word, crooked, crooked eye, eye or something. Some, yes, a critical eye. 
Uh, I don't think they are a very valuable use of time. Uh, each of them in a small dose is good. I will give you that. But it sure seems like people spend double-digit hours on those things. And I, if there's, I, I mentioned all the philosophical stuff, why I said uh, I'm not very busy. But as far as practical things go, the first thing that jumps to mind why I'm not busy is because I don't really watch TV and I don't do social media. I will watch sports on TV every now and then. And if some, I don't know, if something came on, like there was something on TV that someone said, you should watch these 10 episodes. And I really believe that that was something I should watch, then I would totally watch it. I'm not like opposed to saying, you know, the, the TV is awful. Uh, I just don't think, I don't think it should be what you do in the evenings, right? It shouldn't just be your thing where you say, when work is done, what I do is TV. Mm-hmm. And that's, I don't know. I, I mean, there are people that that's what they want and that's fine. But that is the reason that I am not busy, I think, because I don't do those things. I think that's uh, that's a wise sage advice. Yeah? I thought you might defend them a little bit. No, I think uh, I personally spend way too much time on social media, and I realize that's a terrible habit, and it doesn't make me feel good, and I don't know why I do it, and I've always struggled. I've tried the different hacks of deleting apps and you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, have never really, and none of those have been all that effective. So I'm not, I wouldn't say that I, uh, am like one of those people who's on social media all the time, but I definitely check it every day and multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I think that that's, I think it's a terrible time suck. Are you, do you produce content on social media or are you just consuming it? I produce content on Instagram and that's about it really. Okay. And Twitter sometimes. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, I, you know, Facebook. I very, very rarely post anything on Facebook, outside of work-related things, and um, yet I, I still check it every day. Hmm. Interesting. I think that's. I think that is. Um. I don't know if that's an answer, but I think. I think that is a, a good distinction to make, right? If you're, I think if you're producing stuff that just might lead to something good, or at least be fulfilling. Um. So I don't think that posting things on social media is bad, but I do think that just just looking at it is not not very useful. But yeah, the, mind, the mindless scroll, right, you know? right. Um, you know, I mean, and and I I I believe that social media does some good things, and and I'm glad that I have it, have access to it. Um, you know, because I do think do think it connects me with people and communities and groups and things that I wouldn't be otherwise yeah, connected sure. to. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, this it's it's amazing that this time we live in, there, that there is social media, what it does for things, mm-hmm. for people. There's a lot of but, things yeah, that happen. Yeah, but I don't need to check it first thing in the morning. I don't need to check it every time I, you know, walk to the kitchen and, you know, I'm pouring mm-hmm. myself a new cup of coffee or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's uh, that's the problem I have with social media. And, and with uh, TV, I completely agree with you. I, uh, You know, one of the big reasons we got rid of our TV was not because we didn't want to eliminate TV from our lives because we still stream things on the computer, mm-hmm. um, but it was that we didn't want it to become the default. You know, when you sat right. down on the couch, you, the you know, if it if your TV and your remote's right there, then oftentimes the first thing you do is you just grab it and turn it on and see what's on there, right? Yeah. Um, and we wanted it. We wanted watching shows to be an intentional decision where we're going to sit down, we're going to, you know, pull out the computer and and watch you know watch a show. I think that is great and very wise. I think uh, I think making things that having them be your default. Um, I mean, whatever the default setting is very important. Whatever that is, and mm-hmm. in a lot of things, people will be will be nudged to do whatever they want, or not whatever they want. They'll be they'll be nudged to do in whatever direction someone else wants. Um, if if that thing is the default, and there, there's I've, a lot of interesting stuff about this, like with people like four hundred one k, how much they contribute to that. Um, and different arguments over what should be the default setting, and it's just interesting what people will do if if they and studies about you know how much they will invest if the default was this higher rate that's what they'll do and it just takes a lot to get away from that so I think there's so much about what is the default so when you can set your own um, that's really great I hate there's probably a way to disable this I don't know but Netflix in I don't know in the past maybe two years added something where if you start if you watch a show the next one just comes on right after it. Oh, I have noticed it too. Within three seconds now, it used to be <laughs> it used to be like sixty seconds or something. Uh, maybe not I mean, that's that such long. a great example that they are moving that because yeah, I don't think anyone is 
happy that's happening, right? Maybe some people were like, I just got to get to that next show, and I'm so glad they've made that easier for me. But that that just makes it a little bit harder to... I mean, right, that makes the default that you're going to watch the next show if you don't do anything different. Right. Yeah, you have... I mean, it's... Uh, I, I feel very strongly anti that. <laughs> but you and can turn it off on YouTube, right? That autoplay thing? Uh, you can't turn it off on YouTube. And I, you should probably... I should probably, considering how how often I get frustrated by it, <laughs> um, uh figure out if i can turn it off in, in netflix too I'm sure there has to be a way to do that yeah but. i mean see youtube's a little different because i don't know i mean maybe there's ways to organize you i know there's ways to organize youtube in a sequential episodic sort of manner but netflix it happens i think by and large when you watch episode one of something and then it's episode right. two right after that right so youtube uh-huh. a little less dangerous unless you set your kids up in front of youtube and then they get in front of who knows what 15 minutes later because they just kept watching <laughs> but um as far as getting sucked into a series i think when it's a when it's a series of shows and one follows another especially when there's cliffhangers involved that's dangerous i don't like that mm-hmm. so maybe maybe they can turn that off we should we should look into that because but they don't want is, to that is something that has right recently they want, you, they want you to be watching it so that's why they do that they're, oh, they're sure. making a right. point you for it you... no absolutely that's uh yeah it's there good. is a movement doug um I'm going to try to Google it while we're talking, but uh, that's sort of like tech people, Silicon Valley types who form this organization that is basically against uh, companies taking advantage of and exploiting our tendencies, right? We have these survival tendencies that if you flashing bells and things, we will tend to pay attention to those. And this whole idea of making apps addictive, that that's an okay thing to do, um, it's certainly a good thing for the business to make their app addictive and make it impossible for you to put it down. But like, is it good for the greater good? Eh, much harder to make that argument. So, so this group is is on the other side of that, saying that that there needs to be a lot of ethical choices made in terms of what companies do with our time. I don't know if I feel it's like I said. I don't I don't tend to uh, take sides on things very much, but uh, I think it's good that that you know there is that other voice. So, I'll Definitely. look I'll look for the name if I can think of it. I, I feel sorry for them because they're going to fail miserably. But, yeah, uh, they, they will. I'm, I'm glad that they're... Uh, yeah, it seemed like it was like people who had started some successful companies and now they were kind of saying enough of this. So that made me think maybe they were maybe they had some power. But you're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, it, if it doesn't make money, then it's, it's going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> what a time we live in. I know. Man, this has turned into a reflection on <laughs> culture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, all right. I got some quick uh, and easy cooking tips. Yeah, let's 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 move on to that. Yeah, let's move on to that. All right, um, all right. Again, moving from from the most philosophical to the most. Actually, what? sorry. Thank our sponsor, right? Uh, we don't have a sponsor. No. Today, so no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we we got to thank the listeners today. We're gonna take a moment yes, to thank, thank our you, listeners for. Um, no, but. Uh, before we before you get into the cooking tips, uh, I meant to ask this earlier when you were talking about things that immediately give back, you know, kind of freebies. Mm-hmm. Do you think that like healthy cooking, taking you know, taking a little extra time to cook a healthy meal is as one of those freebies? Yes, I hundred percent do. Um, but that assumes that take that making the healthy meal is takes more time than making the unhealthy meal. If it does, in whatever your situation is, then I think it completely is. Because I think, like I said, if you get more energy later, you're not going to notice probably that you have more energy in the afternoon. But I, I think almost certainly if you're eating healthier food and it took you 15 more minutes to make it, you probably get that 15 minutes back somewhere. Mm-hmm. And even if it's in terms of better sleep and then the next day you feel better. So yeah. completely do. Um, and in fact, the philosophical sort of cooking tip I was going to say was that I have really noticed that the healthier a food is or a meal is or a snack is, the less preparation goes into it, right? And that is not uh, some great discovery. The the whole idea that whole foods are best uh, has been around for a while now, and thankfully it's been popular now for, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Um, But what I kind of – we talked about this, I think, two episodes ago, this idea that, like, meals need to be – three different components. There needs to be this dish and this type of dish and then this, right? It used to be a protein, a starch, and a vegetable. Uh, and for some people, many people, it still is that. But I just found that like what what I used to view as very lame excuses and irresponsible eating, um, but lame excuses for a meal, like 
I don't know, a salad that's just lettuce and maybe, you know, the very light amount of dressing on it, uh, and an apple and a handful of nuts, that that's a horrible excuse for a dinner and that that's irresponsible and you're not getting the right nutrition from that. Now I think that's probably one of the best meals you can eat. I'm not saying that should be your everyday meal. If, if it was, you'd, you'd be missing something, I'm sure. But I, I just think that's a great example. Like that meal would take four minutes to put together, less. And it's healthier than almost anything you can think of that takes 30 minutes to make. Yeah. So I, I've kind of reached that conclusion. And, and that doesn't mean that we eat that way all the time. It just, I'm, I'm happy when those nights or days come up when we do decide to eat that way because it's like, wow, we just saved half an hour from cooking and we also ate really well and we, and we ate a nice light meal and we feel good. So I, I think those meals are good. And I think, I think if people just are aware of that and just kind of view them in that way, then it helps to eat more of them. So I think the idea of combining foods um, rather than like cooking them and preparing them, I, I think in general we should do more of that. Now, I love cooking from recipes. I, I like food being a little bit entertaining. It's fun to make a new recipe and figure out if it's going to be good or not, and hopefully it will be. And it's really fun when it turns out well, and it's indulgent and great. Um, but anything like that is going to take 30-plus minutes to cook. There's almost no meals that take 15 to 20 minutes. There are a few. And when you find one, this is another good tip, when you find one that takes 15 to 20 minutes and it's healthy and it's good, uh, put it, write it down somewhere in a bank, in your iPhone or something, where you can remember that meal for later because it, it just comes in so much handy to have a little list like that. Agreed, for sure. So all that is to say is that to make a healthy meal doesn't necessarily take more time than it does an unhealthy one. But I completely understand why it seems that way. And you know, if you're used to eating unhealthy, then probably the first very healthy meal you make is going to take some more time because it's new and different and that's how new and different things are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even things like, um, and this isn't to say that my sister and her husband uh, eat unhealthy because they do, they eat very healthy, but uh, my sister was over here and I was making tacos or something and chopping a bunch of vegetables. And she was like, you know, Jim just takes so long to chop vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I don't, I don't know why he does that. Maybe he has a particular way or maybe he just likes doing it very slowly. Mm-hmm. But you know, like those things, you just get better at them and you get more efficient at things and you know, you can you can make a stir fry. You can chop up all the, you know, you can have a big pile of vegetables and chop them all up in much quicker time than than you think, and especially uh, than it might take you the first few times you're doing that. Yep, that crossed my mind as well, Doug, that uh, it's sort of hard advice to give, like the idea that just keep at it and you'll get better, but uh, mm-hmm. it really is true. I don't think people want to hear that so much, but uh, it took me a while. I, I think I had to cook for about a year before I felt like I really got better because I didn't put any effort into it. If you put effort into like actually learning knife skills, uh, it's it's totally worth it. I mean, it also will prevent you from cutting your fingers, which is a nice loss of time when you do that. <laughs> um, I lost the whole Christmas one day because I did that. So that was good. Yeah, I remember that. Yes. Um, but anyway, I, I think you're right. It it gets way faster. And for me, the way to get better at cooking was just cook more recipes. I didn't have to uh, learn how to create recipes, uh, and no one has to. That That's something you can do if you think is fun, uh, or maybe you have a knack for it. But um, just just cooking from cookbooks, and the more you do recipes, you know, eventually you you look up what it means to dice versus mince, and when you do that, you inevitably see some bit about technique, and you just learn it. So, uh, or you learn things like how to, you know, I used to like peel garlic cloves, like actually pinch the little skin and pick it off of there, and then I realized you can just crush it with your palm or the knife, and it will just pop right off. Uh, I always like to give the tip about spices that you, if you're taking time to measure spices. Uh, and things like that, it it just adds all this time to cooking. And, and if you're new at, like, if you've only made a few little recipes or you're used to eating frozen food or whatever, and you get into cooking, it can seem like this monstrous task because it just, it might take you two hours to make a, a relatively simple meal uh, the first few times. And it does because you're learning this stuff. But eventually you can learn, like, what a teaspoon of a spice looks like in your, any spice, just what roughly a teaspoon looks like in your hand. And for the most part, that will be an acceptable approximation uh, similarly with half cup, cup of lettuce, greens, whatever. Like, I mean, you, you just can learn to eyeball them and almost no recipe is dependent on you being within even 10% or 20% of the amount stated in there, right? You, you can vary things. Yeah. Someone had to choose that this tastes best 
But that's just one person, and there are lots of other people who could choose something different. And and plus, you learn something when if you put too much of smoked paprika in a dish. And I don't know, it it seems like a good idea until you get, put too much of it, and then you learn. And now you know that about smoked paprika. Yeah, I don't ever measure anything. I measure uh, rice. Yeah, I think I think sometimes things like that, like when it says, you know. One and a half cups of water to one cup of rice. That's the time. I don't know how, why that seems different, but that t- seems like one that's worth getting pretty close to accurate. Um, mm-hmm. But if it says a cup of chopped potatoes, you know, I'm going to pick right. a potato that's the size of my fist and chop it up. And if it's a cup and a half, I'm still putting it in. Sure. So, I, yeah, I guess maybe you just sort of learn to develop a feel for when it's important and when it isn't. Baking, obviously, or maybe not. Obviously, baking is in a time when it is important to uh, put the measurements exactly because then it's, then it's chemistry and all that stuff. Then you just, that's why I just don't bake. Another time-saving tip, don't bake. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Doug, I, that's all the tips I have written down. That's pretty big. You have more I tips? Mean, that's pretty good. Uh, the, only, the only tip I have is, is pretty cliche, and I'm sure everyone's heard it before. That's all right. Um, and that is to just, like, uh, <laughs> over, you know, if you're cutting up a bunch of onions and you have some time, or if you're cutting up an onion for dinner and you have some time, Go ahead and cut up tomorrow's onion as well. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, just pr- doing that kind of very minimal prep work the day when you do have the opportunity or when you're already doing the task. Because then it's a lot easier to cut two onions than it is to cut an onion, clean all the things, and tomorrow cut the onion and then clean all the things again. Yes. Right? I love that. I think that is a great tip. I thought you were going to go down the route of prepare all your vegetables on Sunday and then put them all into bowls and use them throughout the week. No, I don't do that. I don't either. Everyone gives that tip. And I've probably given it before because I've <laughs> I've gone through periods where we try to do that and it mm-hmm. always lasts for about two weeks and then we're like, we just stop doing that. Well, the vegetables don't taste as fresh. And it, right. And they don't taste as fresh. Maybe they're less nutritious. I don't mm-hmm. know. I um, don't like that. But plus, the night before, I do do that. Do you? Sometimes. Yeah. Good. Or yeah, like because what you just said is if you're already doing something, then... Do it again. That's a little bit different from saying set aside two hours on a Sunday to do all your vegetable prep. Right. Right. This For me, this tip takes the form of we sometimes get in ruts where we go to the grocery store almost every day. We figure out a meal to make that day, and then we go to the grocery store and get it. That's a huge loss of time, obviously. Huge loss. It is. I do get in times, though, and this this speaks perhaps to the idea of like sometimes it's good to throw these rules out when something is fun and inspiring to you. When I'm really into cooking, that's kind of how I operate is I think about I get excited about what am I going to make for dinner tonight? And then at, you know, 3.30 or something, I look through all the ingredients that I need and I go get them. And it's fun to like go to, it's almost like going to the market, except it's not the market, it's Ingalls. <laughs> they call themselves a market. <laughs> yeah, that's the They have the fresh market. <laughs> they do. And they have all their produce in little barrel baskets or whatever those things are, yeah. bushels. Uh-huh. As if they were just trucked in from Uncle Ed's farm on whatever. <laughs> they were. Um Anyway, yeah, so we can we can approximate and pretend that we're going to the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, that's a huge waste of time. So what I realized was, even if I kind of like doing that, how about while I'm at the grocery store, do a little exercise in spontaneous shopping and say, what's, what's a meal that I know I could make from relatively few ingredients that I could grab while I'm here so I don't have to do this tomorrow? And it just, it's it, what you said, right? If you're already doing something, can you do just a little bit more and save yourself a whole lot of work? And in that case, you save yourself a whole extra trip to the store. So yeah. I think that's a very great tip. It's hard It's hard to make massive changes. We've talked about that plenty. Uh, so I think little tiny wins you can get, like what Doug said, uh, is very important. That's what that's this concept of mise en place, which uh, is the cooking term for what? All your stuff in order? Like everything at the beginning, you get all your stuff out and you do all your prep work and then you begin the cooking which isn't actually always the best way to cook because it misses out on chances. Like you might be able to put your garlic and onions in and then while they're doing their thing, you're doing the next step uh, of preparation and that can save a lot of time. But the, one of the point of mise en place is like if you have a recipe or several recipes that all use garlic, um, you can chop it all at once. And that's a huge savings of time compared to mm. three different times looking at the different recipes and saying, oh, I need two more cloves of garlic for this. So right. if, if you're going to, be doing something think about when in the near future you might be doing that again and try to just knock it out then yeah 100 percent. good all right 
Well, I think, Doug, this is the best episode of season three we've made, except for that introduction episode where it was only an introduction. (laughs) I agree with you. This was a good episode. It was fun. There was no construction going on in the background. No. Uh, It was fast moving. No tech issues. No, no, ah, this is the first time we've had not had a tech issue well, in a while. Well, we still have to get this thing up online, and that's true. Make sure it all recorded that's and true. everything. Yeah, but in jinkers, jinx ourselves. <laughs> Me too. The uh, you know the episode was brought to you by our fans, which is that's awesome. Right. It so. was today. <laughs> get ready because there's some, there's some sponsorships coming up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but for Enjoy now, thank one. you, fans. Yeah. Uh, no, this was good. Uh, definitely good. So, all right. Yeah. I good luck on your golf game tonight. Thank you. Do you have like a haircut or anything you have to get to pretty soon? No, I'm picking my daughter up from uh, her first week of summer camp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she is she paddling canoes around? <laughs> I hope that. <laughs> no, uh, this is, it's uh, it's called clubs in Montreat, North Carolina, which is something that I grew up doing every summer, what my father grew up doing every wow. summer. Um and uh and she's definitely the youngest uh, i don't i didn't go, start this young um but uh they have it for little toddlers too so oh that's that's very nice yeah like those family traditions mm-hmm. good all right all right um talk to you guys later okay yeah, thanks everyone. Have a great weekend. Yes. thanks all right bye